You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on the Ten Commandments. Now looking at the Tenth Commandment. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. The Tenth Commandment. We have delved in studying nine of the Old Testament's well-known but little-observed commandments. We've made an effort to examine each one in context and then to understand his message for us as Christians living under the New Testament. It's time now to conclude our study, to meditate on a commandment that significantly differs from all the others, which I think may explain why it appears appropriately at the end of the list. The text of the Tenth Commandment is in Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We tend to believe that life is about things, especially things we don't have, which our neighbor may well have. I like the way Ecclesiastes puts it. Ecclesiastes is full of observations about life, as are the Proverbs. But here, Solomon observes, And I saw that all labor and achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. We covet because we falsely imagine that we're missing something, that our lives would be improved if we just had something more. Violating this commandment can begin in fantasy. We're just thinking, uh, daydreaming, maybe regretting our difficult lot in life. We imagine how life would be better. Oh, if only I had what my neighbor has. And maybe it's the proverbial greener lawn. His lawn looks better. Maybe it's his house, a nicer home, or nicer things inside that house. Better financial security that can leave many of us in this economy living in regret. Probably your neighbor doesn't have an ox or a donkey, but he probably has some means of transport. It mentions a manservant or a maidservant. Think of the employees or the job. Perhaps you fantasize that your neighbor's spouse being more desirable than your own would really make you happy or worse, that somehow you're entitled to him or her. The list is not meant to be exhaustive but it's meant to suggest complete rooting out 
of coveting. You may have noticed that seven things are mentioned. House, wife, manservant, maidservant, ox, donkey, or seventhly, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Again, it's not meant to be a minimum kind of list. It's meant to call us to maximally obey God. Of all the commandments, this one can be disobeyed without others even seeing. When we disobey the other commandments, people know. If you're bowing down to an idol in Judaism, if you're working on the Sabbath, if you are committing adultery, people know they can find out. Coveting, in contrast, can be committed in broad daylight and yet no one may know because it's what's going on in the head. Recall that in Romans 7, this is the one commandment Paul chose as an example of the difficulty of keeping the law, or at least of keeping the law apart from God's Spirit. I mean, this, this challenges us to the, to the quick. Coveting often appears in the New Testament in the word greed, 1 John 2, 15 to 17, the desires of the world. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's in Deuteronomy 31. The Hebrew writer tells us to keep our lives free from the love of money because we have God with us. That's enough. We don't need God and seven other improvements in our lives. God is enough. In him alone our soul finds rest, as the psalmist puts it. Coveting, or greed, is idolatry, Colossians 3.5. And if coveting is idolatry, because we're in confusion and sinfulness, trying to put something else in the place of God, trying to get our, our perspective, our meaning, our purpose, our identity, our sense of worth from something or some person or, or some uh, abstract uh, entity, instead of getting it from God, this connects the Tenth Commandment with the Second Commandment. Coveting is idolatry. Have you committed that? Have you broken God's holy commandment against coveting? Of course you have. Everyone has. Only one man never violated that one. It's time to conclude the series, though we're only halfway through this lesson, because I want us to take a step back and look at all Ten Commandments. I won't read them. Perhaps by now you've memorized them. And certainly you know the order and you know the content and that they are deceptively simple. They, they look, oh yeah, the Ten Commandments, blah, 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 blah. And yet when we study them with a pure heart and, and really an open mind, we realize how, how far short we fall. And so, as it is with law, this propels us towards God. It drives us to a Savior. We see, we realize, uh, when we're humble, when we're realistic, uh, we see our need for a Savior. Which do you think are the hardest commandments to keep? I think maybe 2, 4, and 7. Uh, maybe number 5. That's depending on your, your, your family relationships, and certainly number 10 is a hard one. But answer those questions for yourself. And although the commandments challenge the heart, they always did, 
As Christians, we're now called to an even higher standard. In the Old Testament, after all, uh, they, they were allowed to take oaths. Uh, killing was permitted under certain circumstances. The regulations concerning divorce were, were more lax because of the hardness of the people's hearts. Jesus says, Matthew 19, referring to Deuteronomy 24. But we're called to a different standard. In the kingdom of God, there's no easy divorce. We are, we're called to actively love our enemy. We shouldn't even need oaths and contracts. We're called to the integrity of Jesus Christ. The commandments are not just a list of rules, but a pathway to freedom. Remember their context. The Israelites have recently been freed from slavery. The commandments are understood in the context of recent liberation from slavery. They're not used to freedom. They need some control. They need some guidelines. Yet these aren't just the ten suggestions, of many, as many people have, have pointed out. They are to be honored. They are a pathway to freedom in the context of emancipation. We have all been freed from sin. We've been liberated from Egyptian bondage. Everyone who's a follower of Christ has experienced that. It's a fact. And that should make us not rebel against God's word or worse, think that we're above obedience. It should make us tremble before the holy God and desire to please him. The proper response to God's revelation, to the revelation of his character, his, his will, his holiness, is a change in our living. We need to think biblically. Read both Testaments. You know, I'm a big fan of the Old Testament. I wouldn't say I love it more than the New Testament, or, or would I say I love the New Testament more than the Old? Just that the Old is most of the Bible. So please, if you've never finished the Old Testament, read it in its entirety. And don't just do that once. It's with you for the rest of your life. Read both Testaments. Learn from the law. Now, the law is not the Word of God for us in the same way that it was for them. For them, it was the law and the Word. For us who follow the law of Christ, it is the Word of God for us. But the, the, the laws are not necessarily our law. You see, there's an expansion. The, the, the Decalogue appears in uh, chapter 20. But in the next few chapters, uh, particularly from 21 to, well, I guess all the way to 31, and then Moses comes down the mountain and there's more, and then uh, 33 to the end, we have all kinds of other laws some which certainly are not the law for us, as in how to build the tabernacle or how to make the fragrant incense to be used by the high priest. Other parts of the law, um, broadening the commandments themselves, have are a lot of wisdom for us and things that can guide us. So we see the heart of the law in chapter 20, but then starting in chapter 21, we see specific applications, not for every possible implementation, but it's more case law. And so after reading chapter 20, look at chapter 21, and you can ask, well, which of the Ten Commandments is this regulation amplified? Which one does that one connect to? So it's God's law for the Jewish people, not for Christians. However, it's still God's word for us, and we will learn from it, and we need to. We should develop biblical convictions.
biblical convictions, not just opinions, but convictions informed by the Bible as we strive to see the big picture. We observe the Decalogue as specifically and faithfully as we're able, don't we? We're to put nothing ahead of God, Commandments 1 and 2, to honor His name, to be a man or woman of our word, and making sure our words are not harming others, Commandments 3 and 9. Make time for the Lord. Carve out some Sabbath time, so-called, so to speak, weekly Sabbath time and daily Sabbath time, Commandment 4 to honor our parents, whether they're living or dead, and to honor all those who fulfill the role of a father or mother in our life, and certainly to resist uh, misogyny or disrespect of women, because women and men, mothers and fathers, are both to be honored, commandment five. To refrain from murder, theft, and adultery, not just in the strictest forms, but in all of their various forms, commandments 6, 7, and 8, and to be content with what we have, realizing how insidious the sin of coveting is, how pervasive it is in our world, commandment 10. And we should know for a certainty that God desires us to be holy. His law is not about external conformity, but about inward devotion and purity. And holiness, and we should tremble before a holy God. Exodus chapter 20 ends this way. Moses has gone to the mountain. He's reminded them. uh, He's been reminded uh, that that God is holy, and, and he's been given God's holy decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Then he comes down from the mountain. Um, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not, do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God may be with you to keep you from sinning. Exodus 20, verse 20. The fear of God is not an evil thing. The law is amplified, is expanded, starting in chapter 21. But if we'll study the Decalogue, we'll get the heart of it. So what should we do in summary? Think biblically. Observe the Decalogue as specifically as we can. Know that deep down it's holiness that God seeks in us, not just external conformity, and tremble before a holy God. We hope you enjoyed, Doug. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas' teaching ministry. 